Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters. We say that every week because it's so very important because we need better product managers, frankly, that can take more control over products, help their organizations succeed, add more value to the organization, more value to customers. And how do we do that? By learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so that you can create those products that customers love. This episode is about ideation tools. And I don't have a guest for this episode. I actually looked because I just love having those discussions. I didn't come across anyone that I found. I'm sure there's lots of people with good practical experience. But I'm going to go through the tools that I've used, uh, some version of these different tools. They're also the tools that are in the Product Development and Management Association's body of knowledge for product managers for ideation tools. There's lots of tools out there, but this will give you a really good appreciation for some specific tools. And if you're not already using some of these, I want you to know about them uh, because they're all useful in their own right. And... Remember, I have all the show notes for you. So if you hear anything you want to go back to, just go to the everydayinnovator.com slash 246, and you'll see the show notes there. I'm also going to include a summary of the information we talk about in the form of a PDF and also a video of what I'm going through. So if you want to watch a video of this information, I have some slides that give some more details about the information. So you can listen or head over to the everydayinnovator.com slash 246 and check out the video. So let's start with ideation. And when I think of ideation, I think of idea generation. That's what we're about. A little deeper definition of that, of ideation, is the creative process of generating, developing, and communicating new ideas. And this is where an idea is a basic element of thought that can either be visual, concrete, or abstract, right? We got to get our hands around something. And ideation is an essential part of our product process where we start with, you know, accumulating ideas in the very beginning. We call that the fuzzy front end. I often refer to it as the managed front end, where we're developing ideas and turning them into product concepts But we can apply these tools in lots of different places. And specifically, these are tools that we think of in that early stage, in that fuzzy front end, but also later in the intermediate stages where we're trying to overcome those implementation issues. We run into problems and we need to push through them. We need some ideas and some ways of approaching those problems. Certainly later in later stages as we're planning the actual product launch. And then after the project, we might call this a post-mortem stage, a post-mortem follow-up or after-action review, some way of understanding what was what went well, right? Understanding what we should do again, and also if we're looking at identifying failures. So a lot of different ways you can use these tools. Anytime we're trying to come up with new ideas or solve a problem, these tools can help us with that. And you don't you apply all the tools, of course. We'll go through them and you'll understand um, what the value of each one is and how you can apply it in different cases. So lots of tools here. We're going to go through scamper, brainstorming, mind mapping, storyboarding, brain writing, six thinking hats, SWAT, Pestle, and Delphi. Okay, and if you didn't get all that, that's fine. Again, show notes at the everydayinnovator.com slash 246, and also a video of just what I'm going through right now. So let's start with the first one. First up is this thing called Scamper. Why is it called Scamper? It's just to remind us of what 
the tools are inside a scamper. Uh, a scamper is an acronym, and all it stands for a bunch of action verbs, right? To really help us kind of break through some maybe mindsets, uh, just st- stimulate how we're thinking about things differently. So first up, we have the S is substitute. What might we substitute on the product to make it work differently, right? So we're, now we're seeing flat screen TVs that are substituting the speakers for generating sound from the actual flexible glass. Uh, so what can we substitute on a product? And this is where scampers often put to use. It can help you with some origination of new ideas, but it's really useful for thinking about existing products. How can we improve a product? So S in scamper is substitute. The next one is combine. What can we combine together that maybe add new value in our product? What can we adapt is the A. The M is modify. What is existing there that we can modify, do differently? Maybe that's in our manufacturing. Maybe it's in our software, how we approach something. Uh, Maybe there's technical debt we need to get rid of there. What can we modify in the product? Um, Put to use is the P, put to another use. So again, kind of about modifying, but how can we think about this product being put to another use or a feature of it? And that might lead us to new market thinking, maybe a new market that we can move into. E is for eliminate. One of my favorite examples from eliminate is the uh, Bosch skill saw and where uh, this was the strategy company that did the research to identify this. They eliminated the electrical cord. They, the, the saw no longer has a cord that you plug in, but it is an electrical saw. And instead, you just take your extension cord and plug it straight into the saw. And the reason for that was they saw how contractors use the saw and every now and then they might saw through the actual electrical cord on the on the circular saw as they're using it, which kind of ruins your day. You know, uh, not very useful to use a saw after that. Instead, just eliminate that risk and actually add value by eliminating something in the process. And now you just plug in a, a extension cord into your circular saw and you're good to go. And if you happen to saw through that, it's pretty easy to get another extension cord. And then the R in scamper is reverse. What can you do differently? What can you do backwards? So substitute, combine, adapt, modify, put to another use, eliminate, and reverse. Just a really good way of looking at specific features and capabilities of a product about how we might approach those differently to add new value for the customer. So that's scamper. Now, there's lots of tools like Scamper. We talked about one back in episode 050, everydayinnovator.com slash 050, quite a while ago, about using heuristics, rules of thumb, to help you think about design. And in this case, uh, the guest was actually talking about a set of cards, physical cards, that gives us um, heuristics, rules of thumb, to help us think about uh, how we might approach a problem differently, such as allow the user to reorientate. How could we think about a product? And this was an example of maybe a high chair that could become a regular chair. How can we think about a product in a different way? Or what could we add to an existing product to solve a certain problem without having to create a new product for that problem? Just these heuristics, a way to get out of our way, think a little bit differently. So lots of tools like that. If you want to look into that one, that's the everydayinnovator.com slash 050. Next up is brainstorming and a b- bunch of us have no doubt done brainstorming before. What this looks like is you get together a small group, let's say six to 10 people into a room and you throw out the problem, right? Whether we need ideas on something or a problem that we need to solve. Let's say you have a process in your organization that is not working as well as you want it to. 
and maybe we'll brainstorm around this. And I'm sure as soon as I said that, you thought, I know of a process that's not working as well as I wanted to, right? So this is real practical. Uh, and what we do, we get these people together, we throw out this problem. Hey, let, let's uh, find ways to improve this process. And what happens? Everyone starts generating ideas. We This works really well if we have a whiteboard up or a flip chart or maybe post-it notes and we put those up on the wall. And everyone starts generating ideas to solving this problem, in this case, improving this process. And it's meant to be free-flowing and no criticism of ideas, just getting lots of ideas out there. And then at some point, hopefully, we're converging a bit and somehow filtering those ideas into a direction that we can actually do something with. And most of us like brainstorming. It tends to be a fun thing to do. And turns out it's really not very efficient. So some of you know this already. We actually have decades of research that say brainstorming just doesn't work nearly as well as a lot of other tools. And frankly, we should not be using it. So if you're doing brainstorming like that today, I have good news. There's better tools out there. And my go-to one is called Nominal Group Technique, NGT. And NGT is going to give you just some structure around brainstorming and let you do this much more effectively. Now, however you brainstorm today, if you just use the first technique from NGT, it's going to really improve your brainstorming experiences. And all you do is you let people have some individual time to think about the problem before they start sharing ideas. You add that one tool to whatever approach you're using to brainstorming now, and this is going to really help you. So put out that idea. You get the group together and you say, hey, we need a way to improve this process. Give everyone five minutes to write down on their piece of paper their individual ideas about this. Okay, you Add that to any brainstorming approach and you're going to have a more effective session together. What NGT specifically does is it uses that tool to start with. So everyone writes down their ideas for five minutes in response to this. So let people have that individual thinking time. And then what I like so much about NGT is it really balances the discussion. It gets ideas from everyone. It gives everyone the same amount of time in the brainstorming session. Because one thing that can happen in other brainstorming sessions are dominant personalities can kind of lead and steer and maybe move things in a way that aren't necessarily where everyone else would agree they should go. And NGT gives everyone the same amount of time and really balances participations. Great. So you start by writing ideas first. And then you just round robin around the room. Say we got six people. We're going to start with the first person. And you go around the room. Everyone shares one of their ideas that they wrote down. Okay. How, how can we improve this process? First person shares their idea. You maybe capture that on the whiteboard. And you set ground rules ahead of time. You say everyone has a minute to share an idea. And then, very important, if that idea is on your list, anyone else's list, you cross it off. There's no reason to cover the same idea more than once. You just cross it off. And you allow one minute of discussion to, if there's any questions about that idea, uh, anything that to kind of add in that moment, that's fine, right? We, we can certainly plus things, but this notion of makes, taking an idea and making it a little bit better. Everyone adds, goes round robin around the room, sharing an idea at a time. You cross off if you hear the idea already, so we're not repeating. And then you just go around the room again. And you do this until all the ideas have been generated. Now, there's one other important thing that you add to this. If, as an idea is being shared, you're sitting there and that stimulates new thinking, right? That probably happens. Stimulates another thought that you have. Well, don't, don't bring it up then. That just kind of disrupts the, the, the structure a little bit. You just write it down on your list, right? Hey, I have this new idea. Write it down on your list and you'll share it when it round robins back to you. So really effective tool 
for getting everyone to think about ideas and then share them with each other. And then at the very end, we have all these ideas up on the board and we just go through a simple voting process. Maybe you tell everyone to identify their top three and you let them select three uh, ideas up on the whiteboard or however you've done this with post-it notes on the, on the wall or something and everyone votes. And I've done this just with markers where you just make a mark next to the idea uh, or you give everyone uh, little colored dots and they stick those up, but you just vote. And then you, you very quickly see, okay, the, these are the things that we should move towards for helping us to solve this problem. In this case, you know, maybe improve a process. And the key thing between, um, you know, this brainstorming and this more structured NGT approach is recognizing that we are moving from this divergent space where we're trying to generate more ideas, right? This is really helpful. We want to get kind of out of our own way and also embrace other thinking. That's why we need other people involved in this process. So we're creating more ideas and getting bigger ideas out there than we might come up with on our own. And then having a way to really converge towards a solution, right? Whatever the problem is, if we're trying to improve this process, improve a product, how are we moving towards a specific solution that we can now take action on? The voting is a good way to do that. And you may have some other constructs there, some guardrails, guidelines to use, like, you know, we're going to leverage what we've done in the past. We have existing capabilities that might be a constraint that we're going to use. Uh, we're going to stay within the market that we know. There might be some constraints that we use to help us converge towards a solution. So pretty useful. The NGT is my go-to approach for so many things to generate ideas and solve problems and get everyone in a group participating at the same level. Works really well for that. Next, I want to talk about mind mapping. So mind mapping is a graphical technique for basically doing an outline. It works really well if you're in a group session. And you do this simply by starting with uh, the key thing you're analyzing in the middle of the board. So again, a big whiteboard works really well for this with a group. And let's say we have, uh, if you're watching the video, I did an example on social networks and looking at how we might apply different kinds of social networks, right? So just starting with what are they? So again, it's a graphical approach to outlining, basically, that just often stimulates better participation from everyone. Start with the main idea or problem that you're addressing in the middle of the whiteboard. Some people are artistic and like to draw pictures around this. That's great. I don't happen to be one of those. I stick the bubbles and lines. Um, but then you just start grouping out from that area. So what kind of social networks are there if we're looking at that? Well, there might be one that's focused on career. So maybe LinkedIn you think about as maybe a career social one. And so that would become a main bubble off of the middle. It really helps to see this graphically. Uh, so check out the video or the PDF that I'll, I'll share in the show notes. And then you just start defining more detail, right? And so at any level, you can add more detail. And it's a great way to get people engaged in thinking about a topic. And uh, many people will enjoy this just for their own outlining purposes, as opposed to a kind of top to bottom outline that we might be used to generating. This is a graphical tool, really helpful. So check that one out. Hey, Dad, I think you should interrupt this interview to tell your listeners something important. Oh, what's that? You should tell them about your new mini course. Oh, okay. What do you suggest? You could interview yourself. <laughs> okay, how would that work? It would go like this. Hi, Chad. Tell me about your new mini course. Thanks for asking, Chad. I just published the second edition of my book, Turning Ideas into Market-Winning Products. 
The mini course covers some of the key ideas from the book. Brilliant! What sort of ideas? You'll discover what to do as a product developer, manager, and innovator. Methods for finding and testing ideas that lead to valuable products customers love. How to really use the minimal viable product approach, and much more. Splendid! Is it free? Yes, it is, and you don't need the book to get value from the mini course. Capital! How much time do I need to complete the course? I made it short. Each lesson is only five minutes, and you'll receive a new lesson every two days in your email box. Wow! Where can I get it? Just head over to www.theeverydayinnovator.com/book. Huzzah! What was that again? www.theeverydayinnovator.com/book. Um, there's just one problem. I can't speak with an English accent. Oh, no problem. I'll do it for you. <laughs> Next up is storyboarding. Now, storyboarding has become one of my other favorite go-to tools. I haven't used it that much until in just last few years, and this is particularly useful when we're maybe trying to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, like the shoes of the customers, and think through what would the customer's experience be like interacting with our product. You know, what is the customer doing before they interact with our product? What are they doing afterwards? What are the different ways they might be interacting with our product? And really useful um, to kind of get that experience going in a more real way in our heads. And all we do is we generate graphics, and we um, can literally do this on whiteboards or take a single sheet of paper. And for each piece of paper, that's one of the scenes in the story. And you just start by drawing. I tend to use stick figures because I'm not very artistic, but just conveying what's going on, and it gives you a way now to talk about that story, talk about the customer's experience with your group, and really appreciating the different elements that are going on. And so you can use graphics and existing pictures if you have them, or just draw. Right? Stick figures work, but you're you're communicating a story through the drawings. The quality of the drawing is not important here. It's a tool for help you to understand the story a little bit better. Again, what might a customer be doing before they interact with our product, while they're interacting with our product, the different ways they might interact with our product? Those sort of things are really helpful to lay out in storyboards and really good tools to get everyone kind of on the same page in a product team too. Next is brain writing. So brain writing sounds like brainstorming. It's very similar, and it's kind of akin to what I shared in the NGT approach, the nominal group technique approach. Only this one is really based on writing as opposed to verbal. We're not talking about the ideas; we're literally writing the ideas down. And so, just like kind of traditional brainstorming, you start with the problem, you throw that out, and then everyone. Has their piece of paper. They individually, quietly write down ideas in response to that problem. So give everyone five minutes. Write down ideas. Now the difference with this and NGT is you're not talking about it. You take that list and everyone passes it to the right to the next person, and they look at your list and you give everyone another two or three minutes to add ideas to that list. And so you're building on each other's ideas. But you're doing it all through writing. This is a nonverbal tool. 
some people like this. I, I know groups that l- love this tool. That they've told me they use it a lot because it helps them to think just a little bit differently because they're interacting with each other differently. So um, it's something worth trying for sure. And just like NGT, you just continue that process. You know, after two or three minutes of adding to the list, pass the piece of paper to the right. Everyone does the same thing. Now you're looking at a new list. You read through that. It might trigger a few more thoughts. You can add to that list. So after, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes of doing this, passing around the room, depending on the size of your group here, uh, I'd probably limit this to about 15 minutes as possible. You get through this process. Now we're going to discuss the ideas together. What has come up, right? Maybe we read through all the lists. We collect those on a whiteboard or post-it notes. And maybe we vote again, right? Use uh, voting dots or mark off and uh, identify where we should go with this information. So really interesting tool. If you haven't ever tried that before, some people don't like the idea of not being able to talk, uh, but it gets us thinking a little bit differently. So I encourage you to check that out. Next one is six thinking hats. Now, this is a really useful tool for when we kind of, again, need to get out of our own way and think differently. It can also be really fun because it forces people to be in a specific role. And this tool is invented by a guy named Edward de Bono and encourages team members to separate their thinking into these specific roles. So you kind of take on a persona, a persona inside the group. Uh, analyzing, working through a problem. So the six thinking hats, there's one hat for each kind of role. And I've seen groups literally have six different colored hats or somehow identify, right, with six different hats. So you know, you know, just by looking at each other, what role they're in right now. So first up, we'll talk about focus on facts. So this is the person that is just going to look at the facts of the problem. That's what they're going to care about. And that's the information that they're going to share. That's how they're evaluating the problem. So they are, you know, they're like an actor in a scene. They're taking that role on and saying, okay, whatever comes up, I'm going to be focused on the facts and base all my decisions and input on the facts that are present in the situation. So another person has a different hat on and they're going to be looking for positive values and benefits, right? So again, whatever comes up in the discussion, they're playing this role, whatever's talked about, they're going to be focused on the positive values and benefits of that capability feature, whatever we're talking about. Another person, usually it's the black hat. <laughs> it's the, at least in the official six thinking hats, all these have colors associated with them. Um, the black hat is the devil's advocate. And you guys know what this looks like, right? Um, everyone listening has, has probably been in this role at some point, whether purposely or not. Uh, and you're looking for the problems or the pitfalls, where the risks are about why this won't work, right? You're taking the devil's advocate perspective. Everyone else is trying to march down a path, and you're the one warning everyone that's a really bad idea, right? And this is why it's a bad idea. So just the contrary perspective, and that can help us get out of our own way as a team is might be a little bit blind to things that could happen. And what I love so much about this whole approach to six, six thinking hats is everyone has a defined role and everyone knows what that is. So the person being the devil's advocate, you know, some of us more naturally take that role on, right? I tend to look at benefits and risks kind of equal weighted, and it's easy for me to go explore risks. And in some groups, frankly, that can be a little annoying. It's like, why aren't you more optimistic? Well, I am really optimistic, but I want to look at the full picture here too. So we need to look at the risks that are involved. 
by having the defined roles, everyone knows, oh, you know, oh, Joe's doing devil's advocate, right. That's the role he's going to take. It sets the expectations. He's going to be the contrarian one looking at this from the other perspective. Okay. The red is used, if we're into the official colors here, red is used for the emotions hat. And this is the person that is going to interpret everything from an emotional perspective and express emotion. And some people I find are just wired better at this one than others. So if you're already really good at empathy, this should be your role, right? But you're going to put things in terms of feelings for the group and talk about what you like and dislike and what the fears are associated with that or the frustrations that could happen, what might make you mad, what might make you happy. Um, so you're bringing an emotional perspective into the discussion. The next hat is a green one. It's on creativity. And this is looking at all the new things we could do. This is the blue sky person that is running with new ideas and building on top of, wow, we could have a new flat screen that not only produces sound through the actual screen itself, but maybe a light show, right? We could use this for something new, right? Building on top of what's ever being discussed and has that role of looking at possibilities and alternatives. And then the sixth hat, blue hat, is for controlling. And this is just to make sure that the process itself is working, right? That we're having an effective meeting, that people are staying in their roles, and they're kind of honoring their roles, right? If the emotional role person is not talking in terms of emotions, then hopefully the controlling person is reminding them and say, hey, we really need you to bring out how you would feel about this reality, right? This problem we're exploring and how we're going to solve it, does that make you feel really good? Are you excited? Are you happy? Are you frustrated? Right? Help us with that feeling. So the controlling person, Blue Hat, is helping just to make sure that the tool is being used well and the group is moving forward together. People are really honoring their roles. And, and this is fun, right? If you like role-playing, this is perfect. It's a great way for groups to think a little bit differently. And you should definitely try it uh, at least one time if you haven't done this yet. Okay, on from six thinking hats is SWOT, S-W-O-T. This is a classic strategy tool. It's been used in a lot in uh, business schools and a lot of organizations, especially at the leadership level, will use this on a periodic basis to kind of set the strategy for the organization. It has four dimensions, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Let's just talk through them briefly here. So strengths, this is really the characteristics of the business or project that give it an advantage over others, right? So what is it that is inherent in what we're doing in our project, let's say, a new product project that differentiates it from competitors? What, what's an advantage that we have as a product team? You're just identifying strengths for the situation. Weaknesses, the opposite of that, right? So these are the characteristics that place our project at a disadvantage relative to others. Things that we need to overcome in some manner. Opportunities, these are meant to be external factors that are kind of outside our immediate control. They might be impacting the, the business, the marketplace, maybe the regulations coming at us um, that we can exploit, but opportunities that we can take advantage of to help our product, help our team. T is for threats, and that's, again, an external factor. It's elements that are out there in the business environment that could cause us trouble and somehow impact our project negatively. What I like about applying SWOT analysis to a product project is it can help us think outside our normal boundaries a little bit, help us think beyond our environment itself, 
take a, into account that business environment, what's going on in the marketplace a little bit better, and just kind of get outside of our box. That's what almost what all these tools are about, helping us get outside of our normal box a little bit and think a little bit more broadly. And SWOT is a tool that I don't see a lot of teams going to, to for that, and I really think you should. It's a, It's pretty quick and easy to do, and it lets you you know, kind of exploit what are those strengths we actually have? What are weaknesses we need to be aware of? And what can we do that's going on in the external environment, maybe trends that are taking place that we can pay attention to and take action on? And related to that is this tool called PESTLE, P-E-S-T-L-E. It's another acronym. And again, you find this one in business schools a lot. It stands for uh, Political, Economic, Social, Technological, Legal, and Environmental. And all we're doing with the PESTLE tool is just being aware of that there's these other factors taking place in the business environment that could very well impact our product in a positive way or in a negative way. And if there's a a relevant trend taking place in any one of these dimensions in the political landscape, right? So do we want some products we probably don't want to launch around an election year because for some products, it's just really hard to get traction because the news is overwhelming about the election, right? Just depends where it kind of fits into things. And then economic, social, technological, legal, environmental. You can think through all these. And if there are trends taking place, you want to capitalize on the trends that are in your favor and be aware of the ones that are not. And an example that I used to use a lot in an innovation strategy course at Boston University was a, a case study on a CRM solution, customer relationship management solution. And when we think of CRM solutions, you might think of sales logic. They've been a leader in the space for a long time. And interestingly enough, um, there was another company just before sales logic that had all the right things going for them, really powerful executive team, proven experience as a startup before as a team, and really good customer research that they did to identify how can we make a better CRM? And they should be the ones that we think about as the leaders. And it's a name that I think it was called Microsoft. It's a name that you just don't know. And that's because they came up with a really valuable product, but it was a traditional client server product. Its pricing model, business model, its deployment was all based on an organization installing this system inside their organization, you know, paying larger upfront fees for hardware and software and making the system work. At the same time, there was this huge trend going on. I shouldn't say huge. It was just emerging at the time. Technological trend. So we do our pestle analysis, and we look at what's going on in our environment around us, politically, economically, socially. Technologically, there was this thing called SaaS, software as a service, just starting to take place. What's going on now? Many organizations have moved systems into the cloud. They've embraced uh, SaaS many years ago. And SaaS had a lot of advantages. You weren't buying this big upfront software anymore. You were leasing basically a capability on a monthly sort of basis per users. And you got all the benefits of that capability always getting better because the organization is making it better for all their customers, not just, just the one. So a big shift in technology and kind of the economics picture there too of buying software, moving to the SaaS model. The company it doesn't exist because they missed that. Um, they just missed that change. And that was a significant trend to have missed. So uh, last tool I want to talk about is Delphi. This is just really collecting a group of experts and getting them to help you think through a problem. 
This relies on getting the right experts involved. So if it's a specific product that you're having some issues around that you're trying to get some new ideas on or avoid a risk, maybe you get product managers that have worked on something similar to get their input. And typically this is conducted asynchronously through email, maybe a forum, but email works just fine. And all you do is you email your board of experts and you ask them the question, I need help with this. What are your inputs? You get all those responses back. You synthesize those responses and then you email that back out to everyone and say, okay, this is what we know now. What do we want to change or add to? And you give everyone time to do that and you get responses back. You can use the same technique with your customer advisory groups and use it as a way to get input from them and then share that input all back out to everyone so they can see what everyone said. And, and you can uh, make that anonymous, right? You can just synthesize the information, share everything back out, and then let those same experts, your advisory board, reply, make that information better. And you know, a couple rounds of that, you often have really good information. Delphi works well when you have the right experts, right, the right people to ask the question to, and you have the time to allow for a couple cycles of getting feedback. So those are useful tools. So we ran through a bunch of tools there. I hope that's helpful. Ideation tools really help us think differently. And I have this question to leave you with, which is what ideation tools have you used before that you've been a part of? Were there any that we just ran through that you say, oh yeah, that's, that's a go-to tool that I really like. I uh, appreciate the reminder. That was great, right? Or did you hear a tool that you thought, huh, I haven't tried that one before. That sounds interesting, right? Make this practical. I really want this to be practical to you that you can get value out of this. Ideation tools are great ways to help me, not just you individually, but as a group. I really like using them with small groups to, again, get out of our own way and think differently about solving a problem, generating new ideas. So hope you find that valuable. Put some of those tools to use. Thank you so much for listening to The Everyday Innovator. You know, this is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters. How do we do that? Learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so that we can all create products that customers love. Again, you'll find those show notes. That's a summary of what we talked about. I'll have a PDF of all the tools and also the video of me just talking through this. And you can see the slides that I used. That's all at theeverydayinnovator.com slash two. Four, six. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.